Parshas Tetzaveh, Chelek Chof Aleph, Volume 21, Sicha Aleph, the first Sicha. The Baal HaTurim says that the Torah portion of Tetzaveh is the only portion in which, from the moment of Moshe's birth until the Book of Devarim, does not mention the name of Moshe Rabbeinu, of our Master Moshe. The reason for this is because in response to God's anger at the nation for making the golden calf and God's threat to destroy them and to rebuild a nation from Moshe, Moshe responded with the words, Please just wipe my name out of your book. And as we learn in the tractate of Makais, that the curse of a scholar comes to fruition even if it was conditional. And Moshe's words were fulfilled in this portion of Tetzaveh. Every detail in Torah is very specific. And so we must then say that this Torah portion is the one in which Moshe's name is erased, when in fact he only asked God to remove him from the Torah in next week's Torah reading of Kisisa, and it really would have made more sense for Moshe's name to be erased, even just to show that a tzaddik's word is fulfilled, even if it's conditional, in a portion that follows his saying, erase me from your Torah, because there is a specific connection between this Torah portion of Tetzaveh to the idea of erasing Moshe's name from the Torah. We need to understand what the connection is between Moshe's words, erase me, to the portion of Tetzaveh, which talks about the commandments to light the menorah in the tabernacle, the midst of the priestly garments, to appointing Aaron and his sons as priests, and then the making of the Keteris altar. We also need to understand these words, Moshe is not mentioned in this portion, really means that he's not mentioned by name. The entire Torah portion, though, does talk about Moshe, and that happens in the majority of the verses in this portion. Additionally, the beginning of the Torah portion, which as we know alludes to the essence of the entire Torah portion, in this case the words va'ata titzave, and you shall command, is totally about Moshe. Actually, the very words va'ata titzave, that word va'ata and you, is a very intimate directive and reflects, as the Kliyakar points out, the very essence of Moshe. And the essence of a person really transcends the level of a name. What this means is that the purpose of a name is so that another can call you by that name. But one's essence is beyond and far deeper than a connection one has with another. So it's loftier than the name which means that indeed, how is Mecheni, erase me, fulfilled? Mesh is not mentioned by name because he's referred to by essence, which simply highlights a very lofty level of Mesha that transcends his name. To better understand this, we need to explain the significance of Mesha's request of God to erase him from the story that you wrote, which as Rashi explains, was a request to be erased from the entire Torah were God to wipe out the nation. The very essence of Moshe is Torah, 
Our sages tell us that the Torah is called by Moshe's name because he sacrificed for Torah, which tells us that this request of Mechenin HaMisifracha, remove me from the entire Torah, is important to the very essence of who Moshe is and his total oneness with the Torah. Why then did Moshe make this intense and frightening request of God? Because he wanted to achieve forgiveness for the nation, for the sin of the golden calf, which was a very severe sin, so severe that all latter sins and all punishment reflects back upon the sin of the golden calf. As the verse tells us, that on the day when God does a reckoning of our actions, he will recall the sin of the golden calf. So we have to ask, how could Moshe put all of what he was in danger, endangering his very connection to Torah, for a portion of the nation that sinned with the golden calf, including the small group who made the calf, who transgressed the prohibition of thou shalt not have any other gods before you, thou shalt not make a form or image, literally cutting themselves off from Torah. We also need to understand what Moshe was actually asking of God. Moshe said, if God doesn't forgive the Jews for their sin, erase me from the entire Torah. What's the connection between God's forgiveness for the sin of the golden calf and Moshe's request to be erased if they're not forgiven? Rashi explains this saying that Moshe hoped in this way to ensure that the nation would never claim that he didn't sufficiently ask for mercy on their behalf. This explanation, however, that Rashi offers doesn't seem satisfactory, as when we read the verse, it's clear that Moshe is concerned only with achieving forgiveness for the nation. His concern is not for himself or to protect himself from this type of accusation. More significantly yet, if, God forbid, Moshe had not succeeded in his asking of God for their forgiveness, who would be complaining about anything? God was threatening to wipe out the nation. The explanation, rather, is that Moshe and the nation were one, inseparable, to the extent that Rashi tells us in the portion of Chukas that Moshe is Israel and Israel is Moshe. So strong is the bond and connection. Thus, the sin of the golden calf caused a descent in Moshe himself. Our sages comment on the verse in the Torah, in the portion of Kisisa, where this event played out, that when God says to Moshe, after the golden calf, go and descend, in other words, descend from the mountain, it means that God was saying, it's your greatness that will descend because of their sin. Now, Moshe was in no way connected to this sin. He could do nothing to stop them. He was on the mountain with God when this all took place. Why then should this sin affect him? But because of his complete unification with his people, his greatness is thus bound up with their status and dependent on their spiritual status. And they caused the descent in Moshe when they sinned with the golden calf. This connection to the nation is deeper even than Moshe's connection to Terah. As we indeed find in the connection between Hashem and our nation is greater even than the connection of Hashem and Terah. Hashem edited his very essence into Terah, and yet 
Hashem's connection with us is greater, as we read in the commentary of Bereshis Rabbah, that Yisroel preceded the Torah even in God's thought. Similarly, and this is an example for the fact that this love existed with the leaders, with the Rabbeim of each generation. As Rashi indeed comments and says, the leader of a generation is the generation in its entirety. The bond of a Rebbe and his generation is higher even than his bond with Torah. This is true for all the righteous who are comparable to their creator, despite the fact that they completely put themselves into the study and teaching of Torah, this is still not a comparable connection to their unique connection to the generation that they tend to and teach, to their personal students who, as we have learned often, are one's spiritual children. Hanefesh Asher Asu is what we read about Avraham. These are the souls that Avraham made. Students are considered to be the souls one creates. This too explains why Moshe asked of God to erase him from God's Torah and why he risked his very essence, his integral connection to Torah with this request for those who made the golden calf. The result of Moshe's connection with the nation and how it transcends his connection to Torah is expressed in two ways. One, in Moshe's Mesiris Nefesh, in his self-sacrifice, which was higher and deeper than his self-sacrifice for Torah, like the familiar lesson taught in the Magid Meisharm, that the Beis Yosef, the author of the Shulchan Aruch, was meant to experience the ultimate in self-sacrifice by dying for God's honor. For specific reasons, he was not ultimately granted this. Had he sacrificed his life for God, he would not have been able to compile the Shulchan Aruch, the Shulchan Aruch serves as a guide to the nation of Israel. That would have been a huge consequence and loss for us as a nation. But his living to write the Shulchan Aruch, because he did not have the opportunity to give his life for the sanctification of God's name, is considered a consequence and a punishment, because as lofty as the Torah is, does not reach the level of sanctification of God's name through self-sacrifice. Sacrificing one's life is motivated by one's connection and bond to God because of one's Jewishness and one's preparedness to be totally one with God. And two, this bond, this unification, and this self-sacrifice is for the sake of every single Jew, with no calculation as to a Jew's spiritual status, even if he is a Jew who built a golden calf. Because a Jew is higher even than Torah. He remains a Jew even if he's disconnected from or has disconnected himself from Torah, as our sages teach in the tractate of Sanhedrin, though he has sinned, he is yet a Yisrael, a Jew. Afal pishachata Yisrael This helps us understand the words Moshe spoke. Forgive them, and if not, remove me from your Torah. If their sin, Moshe was saying, is so terrible that the Torah makes no room for their forgiveness, where God may forgive, but the Torah, so to speak, denies forgiveness, then Moshe asks and demands of God, remove me from this Torah. And with these words makes recognizable and very obvious, with nothing to conceal, it Moshe's very core and essential connection to the Jewish nation. 
the same time, Moshe is highlighting that the Torah may be limited, but God's union with the Jewish nation has no such limitation. And it is this bond that will make God's forgiveness possible, even for a sin as severe as the sin of the golden calf, after which they can still return and connect fully to Torah. According to everything we discussed, we can understand the connection between Moshe's request that God erase him from a Torah that makes no space for forgiveness of the nation of Israel and the commandment that begins this Torah portion, the words, Va'ata titzave, you command, you in that very intimate and core expression of you, Moshe. This bond of unification that Moshe has with the nation that transcends even Torah expresses in Moshe's radical request to remove him from the Torah is expressed as well in the Va'ata Titzava message that tells us that the Va'ata, the essence of Moshe, connects and bonds is Tzave from the words Tzavta V'chibur, connecting and bonding all of Israel into one singular union despite our diverse spiritual statuses. The other levels of Moshe, which are all identifiable by name, including the level of Yechida Shabbenefesh, the sole level of total union with God, identifiable yet by the name and description or sole description of Yechida, can be accessed by the revelations one can reach through Torah. Torah, as Nachmanides writes, is entirely composed of the names of God. Hence, still within the confines of limitation that exists in the reality of a name, something by which you can point and identify something else. But it does not incorporate something else. If you call me by my name, you are, also, you are not also calling for my brother. So it is distinctive and has boundaries. And so this does not bring our nation to the point of unification of Va'ata Titzave, the Tzavsa and the Chibor, the connection and the bond of all of Israel in a singular state of oneness. Only the very essence of Va'ata Titzave, and you shall connect only the very essence of Moshe, which transcends name and description, a level that transcends Nefesh and Ruach and Neshama and Chaya and even Yechida, all five soul levels, and is intimately and uniquely connected at the level of authentic Atta to the essence of God himself, who alone can be described as Atta, can create this bond, incorporating even the sinner, the one who made the golden calf, into one entity. This too explains the connection of the instructive words of the Atta Titzave, and you shall connect or you shall command, and the continuation of this directive that Moshe instruct the nation to take to him pure olive oil, crushed for lighting, to kindle the lamps eternally. For what we have learned previously, it would be Aaron who would be lighting the Menorah, and to whom the oil should then be brought. Why then and what does this instruction here mean? The explanation is that Aaron was an influence on those in the nation, to be candles, which light up the light of the mitzvahs. Kiner mitzvah, a flame is a mitzvah, the Torah is the light, to those whose motivation was only to serve God. 
But when the oil is brought to Moshe, and thus through Moshe, who connects all Jews as one, then every Jew can become a vessel for a mitzvah, even one who is simple or unlettered in Torah knowledge by revealing the essence of all. This further helps us understand the connection between Va'atat Tzavah and the entirety of the Torah portion, which, as we said, is about kindling the menorah, the garments of the Kohanim, the orientation of the priests, and the making of the golden altar, and why Moshe's name is missing from this Torah portion. Throughout the entire portion, we notice the emphasis on the fact that everything must be done through Moshe. Moshe must bring Aaron into the priesthood for eternity. Moshe is given the commandment and the details of the priestly garments that are to be made for his brother Aaron. Moshe must orient and inaugurate them into their service, Aaron and his sons, of the tabernacle. And the reason for this is as said before regarding the lights of the menorah. Aaron's service was the priesthood and the sanctity of the temple. Thus, his impact and influence was on those who were committed to the divine service. The instruction Moshe is given to be the one to draw Aaron into his divine service of the tabernacle to serve God makes it possible then in turn for Aaron's influence to impact the entire nation to be holy and sanctified with priesthood as was Aaron and even the simplest people for all of this was done through Moshe. This is one of the reasons why immediately after Moshe is instructed in the entire inauguration of Aaron into the service of the tabernacle, which concludes chapter 29, the Torah immediately begins chapter 30 with a discussion around the incense altar in the tabernacle. It would seem that this altar should have been discussed along with the vessels taught in the portion of Truma, where the instruction for the outer altar is given. But as we said, the priesthood of Aaron must influence every Jew, which is represented in the service of the Ketiris, the incense sacrifice. How is that? Our sages teach in the section of Chrysos, a portion in the tractate of the order of Kodshim. Rav Hana ben Bizna says, and Rabbi Shimon Hasida says, any fast that does not include the participation of some of the sinners of the Jewish people is not a valid fast, as the smell of chelbonim, galbonim, is foul, and yet the verse lists it with the ingredients of the incense, reflecting what we previously said, that Moshe sacrificed his very essence even for those who built the golden calf incorporated into the incense sacrifice was an ingredient which smelled foul. Yom Kippur, when the service of the Ketiris is a primary aspect of atonement for the nation, as the Torah tells us at the conclusion of our Torah portion, Aaron shall make atonement upon its horns once a year, upon the incense altar, with the blood of the sin offering of the atonements, once a year he shall effect atonement upon it for your generations. From all of this, there's a wonderful lesson to be learned in one's divine service. Just as Moshe, our master, was prepared 
to forego his greatest reality and his greatest quality, his essence itself, his connection to Terah, for the nation of Israel, and even for those who made the golden calf, which is a call way beyond that of loving another as you love yourself. For Moshe to love another as he loved himself, it would all be about Terah. That was himself. But he was prepared to give that up, to be unified with Am Yisrael, and even with those who were unfortunately disconnected from Terah. Moshe, as a faithful shepherd of Israel, wanted to impart this strength, and he imparted this strength to connect to every Jew, wherever he may be, and whenever it may be, to be able to journey in this path to God. And Moshe's reasoning was this, if God forbid Hashem does not forgive the nation, but God keeps me in his safer, in the Torah, as God said he would do, they will say, and this is Rashi's explanation, understood more clearly, Moshe wasn't prepared to have self-sacrifice for this bond to the point of having himself removed from the Torah. And this is the lesson that will get passed down from generation to generation, that this level of self-sacrifice isn't necessary or worthwhile. Instead, through Moshe's actions, we have an eternal lesson relevant to every single Jew. Abbas Yisrael, love of another, is not enough. Even, it's for, even if it's for every Jew, no matter what level he's on spiritually, and even if it's a love kamecha, like you love yourself, what's required is a mesiris nefesh, a preparedness to sacrifice the self and the needs of the self for another Jew, and for any Jew who needs it, to extend the sacrifice of the self and to bring another Jew close to God and close to Torah.